This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, we're talking all about bratwurst. But before we dig in, I want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember when the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Today, August 16th, is National Bratwurst Day, so to celebrate, I wanted to do something extra special. I made my own bratwurst, from scratch, and then called up my most Midwestern friend to talk about it. For a little background, bratwurst is a type of German sausage, usually made with pork, although sometimes with beef and or veal, and typically served up either plated with things like onions, peppers, and sauerkraut, or slapped on a fancy bun like a more grown-up hot dog. Mustard, be it fancy or plain old processed yellow, is the go-to condiment for most, but like our show's name implies, there's really no bad way to eat your brats. As long as they're cooked, obviously. Anyway, it's no wonder that a sausage so tasty, accessible, and versatile became one of the best-loved sausages in the Midwestern United States, where the historically large German immigrant population reigns supreme over local cuisine. My guest today, Matt Cole, lives in Ohio, a state that's home to, believe it or not, the annual Bratwurst Festival, which is actually coming up this, this coming weekend in Bucyrus, Ohio, if you want to go to it, and he's got a deep love and appreciation for these bad boys. So without further ado, let's get this sausage fest on a roll. My guest on this episode of No Bad Food is someone you all know and love. He was my co-host for the Tournament of Champions watch-along this past year uh, before the show was called No Bad Food, back when it was called up for discussion, which makes him kind of a relic of the past, but also a delight of the future. And by the future, I mean the next, you know, 30 to 40 minutes of time that you're going to spend listening to this episode. He's one of the co-hosts of Debate This, not Left Trigger, Right Trigger. And I'm sorry for how many times I've fucked that up, friends. Uh, I am, of course, talking about the one, the only, Matt Cole. Hello, it is I. I have returned to discuss meat with you. Yeah! Welcome back. Thanks. Always happy to be here. It's been a couple of months since the last time we talked. How you been? How you you surviving? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, life has changed a little bit in the last couple of months, and 
pursuing new career opportunities and it's actually given me more time to like cook and eat so i've i've made some food since the last time we talked when i think the last time we talked i was like yeah i mean i just kind of eat what i find Mm -hmm. so yeah life's life's looking up cool yeah i get that I, i lost my job like at the beginning of the pandemic and it had kind of a similar thing of like oh i can uh I can get creative with food now in different ways because I have time for it and in entirely different ways because I have no money for it. It kind of flips it around, you know? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. And <laughs> I know we're not here to talk about chili today, but like I had some Ooh. friends over and I made this chili recipe that I haven't made in like, oh God, almost 10 years. Okay. And it was really good and everybody loved it. So you good, know, good times. It's funny you mentioned that because I actually, um, so today's topic obviously is bratwurst, the German sausage made of pork, sometimes veal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I made homemade bratwurst this past weekend, uh, which will super duper date this recording uh, since this episode is coming out like a month after we recorded it. But I made bratwurst and um, I screwed up some of the casing because it was my first time doing homemade sausage and some of them tore, which is normal. Uh, and I had just enough left over of the meat mixture that I like looked at it and was like I'm gonna freeze that as like a patty and either turn it into a burger or use it as the base for a really beautiful chili and so I think I'm probably gonna do that so I feel like chili is maybe not the worst segue into what we're actually talking about today yeah right like (laughs) I I think if if cased meat is the ultimate form of meat then like chili which is loose meat in liquid is <laughs> is the opposite end of the spectrum but still on the same spectrum as bratwursts yeah i'm Did... sorry that i brought the phrase lo- loose meat to your podcast today <laughs> loose meat in liquid i think is what you said and i'm not it happy is, about yeah. it that's yeah. real gross um before we dig into the bratwurst let's dig into the motwurst by which i mean matt tell us about the food you grew up eating i want to just stop and put that segue on a pedestal because of how good it was. <laughs> yeah, so we ate brats a lot growing up. I think that brats were when my family didn't want to try any harder than making hot dogs, but didn't want to say we had hot dogs for dinner. Mm-hmm. We made brats. Sure. Um, but actually the the thing in my family uh was beer brats and that is Still to this day, my favorite way to have brats, I don't know, I I don't want to go so far to say like once a week, but a couple times a month, we would typically do beer brats. And my dad had a little George Foreman grill that he set up in the, in the, the kitchen and you would boil brats in Bud Light and then you would slap it on the grill and throw it in a bun and slurp it on down. Beautiful. Uh, And that's my... My childhood brought connection. I was not like a, I was not a kielbasa fan, or not a kielbasa fan. I'm sorry, not a kraut fan. Mm. And bratwurst came with kraut a lot, right? And um, so I, I was kind of a plain brat and a bun sort of kid. Sure. Still not a big fan of sauerkraut. Still a fan of plain brats in buns. You know, that's fair. I, I think that it's like sauerkraut's an acquired taste, certainly. And I think yeah. if you don't acquire it, I can see it being kind of. Uh, 
jarring. Do you do? Uh, okay, so so let's talk about you know plain brat in a bun. Um, so when I made these homemade ones the other night, we ended up having some friends over. We, we've got these neighbors up the street who our kids are friends with their kids, and we're friends with them, and it's great. And uh, we finally got them over for a barbecue, and I was like, I made homemade brats let's do this and uh they turned out awesome (laughs) they were really really tasty i'm really glad that the only thing that i managed to screw up was like bursting a couple of casings because it it was otherwise a really fantastic experience um and as we were getting our our brats off the grill and putting them in our buns and you know i got some fancy brioche hot dog bun kind of things that i grilled on the you know they were super tasty as well as we were getting our brats putting them in buns and getting to the condiments, um, the uh, the mom was like, what do you put on yours? Because I feel like there's a right answer for this. But, and then she gestured to her husband who had just like slathered his in a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Clearly there are different ways to do this. And I was like, yeah, that's an interesting question. My feeling, and tell me where you land on this, Matt, is that if you want to go as like straightforward as possible with a German sausage on a bun... You go mustard, just mustard. It can be, you know, yellow mustard or fancy mustard. That's your call, depending on what you got in the fridge. But I think just straight up mustard. What do you think? Yeah, so growing up, uh, it was typically like a Dijon or a spicy brown mustard on our brats. And I do still like either of those things. I am an absolute heathen and will put ketchup on pretty much anything. Okay. So I do like ketchup on my brats i will acknowledge that that is not a traditional way to consume a brat however i like ketchup (laughs) on my brats uh so i'm typically just ketchup and mustard sometimes cheese sure sometimes cheese yeah Ooh, tell me about that like uh like a slice of whatever cheese literally the closest cheese the first cheese you find you just get a slice of it and you just melt that on there Typically American cheese, because that's what's usually stocked around around these parts here sure. in, you know, America. But um yeah. yeah, yeah. I cheese not a requirement, mustard a requirement, ketchup a preference, cheese an option. Sure. Okay, okay. I can dig it. Yeah, I uh I found myself, you know, when they were fresh off the grill, I wanted them with just mustard. But then, you know, we had leftovers cuz I made a huge batch and the kids just wanted normal hot dogs, so they had normal hot dogs. Um so I was eating the leftovers and when I was eating the leftovers, I was like, I'm going to put some relish on these cuz I felt like I wanted that kind of pickly element. Um mm. and I think like I think that if they're traditionally served with um sauerkraut, Sauerkraut is kind of pickled. It's kind of acidic. It's got a bit of a sweet note. I mean, it's cabbage, but otherwise it like is not that different from like pickle, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so I think like what I'm trying to say is I think that having ketchup on there, while it might be kind of like, you know, frowned upon or whatever, I get it. Cause I think that if you don't like sauerkraut, but you still want like a sweet kind of vinegary note that plays with the, the bratwurst really well, ketchup will do it you know yeah sweet vinegar was exactly the words that i was gonna use because like i don't really i don't love pickles i don't love pickled things Mm -hmm. i don't like a lot of really briny things but i still need a little bit of that acid and i think it's weird to put ketchup in the acid category but i think that it goes there yeah when it comes to like bund meat yeah i think ketchup i think ketchup is acidic yeah yeah 
Yeah. I think that's fair to say. I mean, the, the two major ingredients of ketchup are tomato and vinegar, and I don't think that you could call either of those not acidic. So, Right. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that for sure. So I do think that ketchup is a pretty solid substitution if you are not into sauerkraut or, mm-hmm. or relish because i don't like relish either okay um and i dress my hot dogs similarly to how i dress my my bund brats sure so you know mustard maybe ketchup often cheese yeah yeah sure and like you know i guess in the relation of hot dog to brat i'd put onions on a hot dog sure. i'd probably put onions on a brat mm-hmm. i'd eat mm-hmm. onions on a brat hell yeah um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. I um so I hadn't heard of beer brats and and like that's not surprising cuz like I'm in I'm in Montreal. We don't have the same relationship to brats here that you guys have in the states. Yeah. Especially for sure. in like the part of the states where you are where it's like a thing. Um but you know, we can get them at the grocery store here. Like, you know, if you have a barbecue here, there's a decent chance you have some kind of sausage on the grill and like brats are not uncommon certainly, but it's there's no like culture of it in Montreal. And so I'd never heard of beer brats and uh, I looked it up and it turns out that it's traditionally a Wisconsin thing um, and that they're usually simmered in beer with butter and onions. So that's kind of cool. And that makes sense to me because I feel like beer, butter and onions together. That's a nice combination. Like I, I don't, I don't particularly like beer when I drank beer was not one of the things I really drank, but I can see it with butter and onions. Like I can taste that, you know? Yeah, well, and the thing is, right, like, you don't really taste a lot of the beer in the brat. Because you just kind of, like, boil it to get that flavor in there. It doesn't surprise me that it's a Wisconsin thing. Um, But we we would always use Bud Light, and, like, nobody in my family drank Bud Light. (laughs) It's exclusively (laughs) for the brats. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, it's exclusively for the brats. And so, like... You know, every once in a while, because my dad was a big Miller-like guy, uh, my mom didn't really drink beer. Every once in a while, if, like, a six-pack of Bud Light would appear in the fridge, I knew beer brats were coming that Mm. week. And, yeah, it's pretty much just, like, a couple of cans of beer. It doesn't have to be Bud Light. Use whatever you have around. Like, I think uh, IPAs work really well. Anything that has, like, that really bitter, hoppy note, I Mm. think, boils really well into brats. Um and yeah, you just kind of like let it stew there for a couple of minutes and throw it on the grill and it gives it a really awesome extra flavor uh, that to me is like really synonymous with cookouts and, and football and the like, you know, because like when we were having Super Bowl parties and stuff, that was a common a common occurrence. Sure. Yeah. And that makes sense, right? Like I, I feel like the brat is a kind of party food almost, which like, look, I'm going to say it again. I made homemade brats this weekend it was a lot of work i think making them from scratch (laughs) it feels wild (laughs) i don't know like i i'm still kind of processing it it was a it was a really difficult weekend just like the kids were on some bullshit and i chose to laboriously make sausages by hand it was a whole thing um i'm still kind of dealing with all of that in my mind but i think like something about that at the same time feels like such a good way to do a party food because i think 
I don't know. I don't know about you, but when I have a bunch of people over for a dinner party, or if it's like New Year's Eve and we're having people over, or you know, in theory, were I someone who invited people over to watch the game, whatever the game ends up being, uh, let's be real. If I was having people over to watch guys' grocery games or something, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Uh, or no, you know, I would watch like the MLB All Star Game. You know, whatever. I was gonna say you're like, aren't you a Yankees fan? I'm a Don't Yankees I fan, that, right? Yeah, yeah, but that's it. Like I've never really had people to watch sports with, so it's kind of more my like secret quiet passion. Uh, my, my shameful <laughs> enjoyment in the corner. Um, but, you know, were I having people over to watch a game, I think I'm the kind of person who would, like, go ham on the snacks, make sure there's a lot of snacks. And I think if I had unlimited time and resources, I would totally make brats from scratch for every single party like that. Because I think that there is something kind of perfect about them for it. Yeah, man, I gotta say, like, the pictures that you sent of your brat making process were incredibly impressive. I have never made brats from scratch. I have never cased any meat in my life. Um, and that just seems like a, an exceptionally gross concept oh, and yep. process that I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be intimately familiar with because I can claim bris- blissful ignorance when I eat brats. They're like, I don't know what that is. Uh, and I don't really want to learn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it looked like a really, cool and interesting process to get a brat that honestly like looked better than the brats that I typically buy if I'm gonna cook up brats Mm. you know sure again I don't know that I would ever go out of my way to make brats but from pictures alone a couple states and a country border away from you I can tell that your brats were of much better quality than any brats that I have I have grilled from a store-bought package. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think like, because I've been thinking about this, right? Because I I wanted to, I bought myself a cookbook of sausage recipes in like January. And I told myself, this is the year I'm going to learn how to make sausage. I'm going to, I got the grinder attachment for the KitchenAid mixer so that I can grind meat and stuff sausages with it. I like figured out that the butcher near my house sells, you know, hog casings for like really very little. It's like you can, it ends up being about 10 cents per sausage, assuming you don't rip anything, which again, it was hard. Um, (laughs) But like, (laughs) Uh, and I kind of did the math and I was like, okay, you know, the recipe that I used was from, uh, let me, I'll read the name of the book, Easy Sausage Making, Essential Techniques and Recipes to Master Making Sausages at Home by Will Budiaman. And uh, it's like a bunch of, you know, your standard sausage recipes as far as like, you know, the stuff you would buy at the grocery store, but then also a bunch of like international ones. And I thought, okay, I like sausage. I like the idea of really getting my money's worth with both this book and this grinder. I'm going to gradually make every sausage in this book. (laughs) Now, I will say, I bought this in like January or February. First time I used it was July. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's gradual. It's gradual. You'll get there. That's it. My original idea was that I would do it like every week of the summer, but fuck that. I'm tired. I have children. That's a lot of sausage. Yeah. Like, that's so much. I don't have sausage every week over the summer, and I love sausage. Well, that's it. Like, I we I think we do have sausage, like, once a week during the summer, but I can't imagine making it by hand every time. Like, sure. that just sounds exhausting, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, the recipe that I used from this book for Bratwurst called for four feet of hog casings, a pound of pork butt, three-quarter pounds of veal shoulder, and a quarter pound of pork back fat, and then, you know, a bunch of seasoning. And all of the meat of it together 
came to like under thirty dollars. So okay, so that ended up being like two dollars fifty per sausage, roughly, plus labor, obviously. Yeah, which you know, there's no, no value there. No, there's no value there. That's the thing. Like, I, <laughs> I think you know, homemade sausage making. Uh, if I were to review it out of five stars, I would give it a four out of five. Uh, because you know it gets like a it gets a five out of five for like flavor and satisfaction of like what you're doing, but it gets like a three out of five for effectiveness. Like it, it is much easier to just go buy sausage somewhere else that someone else has made because people who do it professionally, people who package and sell sausages, one it's usually industrial, so there's like. <laughs> Uh, it's much easier for them to do it. Uh, but even the ones who are doing it artisanally are experts. So they don't screw it up constantly. They don't have to set aside time in their home kitchen because they have a proper facility for it. There's a whole, you know, it's more than just a, like, one person in the kitchen kind of screwing around kind of thing. So I think, like, at the end of the day, I completely understand buying them at the store i'm gonna keep buying sausages at the store but i love that i got this experience of like doing it myself because i think that that is i don't know there's something cool about like doing it by hand and i will say it wasn't as disgusting as it could have been like i mean those ingredients i just listed like you know pork butt i have worked with pork butt before you know you buy it and throw it in the slow cooker to make pulled pork veal shoulder I don't love using veal because I feel a little icky about it ethically, but like visually, it's not that gross. Yeah. Back fat, not that gross. <laughs> kind of looks like a slab of white fish and then you start cutting into it and it's like, oh, this is somewhere between meat and butter in consistency. Weird. But like, you know, you hear about like, you know, oh, how the sausage gets made as like this kind of thing where it's like, ooh, do you want to know all the like gritty, yucky details? And it's like, well, it's not that gritty and yucky. It's like no worse than, you know, making burger patties by hand really yeah yeah i mean that's really reasonable i guess the grossest part to me is the whole casing situation yes (laughs) so i have a question for you sure tom and this is like a maybe a stupid question but kind of an everyman question because i don't know the answer to this but when you buy Mm -hmm. four feet of pork casing how is that packaged like how do you how do you come into hand of four feet of pork casing what does that look like what form does it take Mm -hmm. i have questions so so granted i buy mine from the butcher so i'm sure it's different if you buy it from like a supply chain or something right like i know you can buy certain kinds of casings from amazon even um so i don't know what it's like when you get that uh i do know when I get them from the butcher, they are salt brined. So they've been, uh, the, the hog casings have been, you know, brined in salt to preserve them for however long they need to be preserved or whatever. Uh, they take out four feet of it, measured out, presumably. I'm not, t- I, I don't go behind the scenes and see it, but they come out with a uh, <laughs> little uh, plastic bag that's been tied real tight. And inside it, you know, when you get a goldfish? Yeah, You know when you get a pet goldfish, they give you the bag with the goldfish in the water? Imagine that, except no water, and instead of a goldfish, it's like a really, really greasy condom. Uh, so it's a, so they just give it to you like a tapeworm? Yeah. Like it's... Uh, I, 
but in a bag. In my in my <laughs> head, I was like, "Oh, I'm sure they like spool it around something." Nope. <laughs> so so it's it's just in a bag, soaking in its own. You know, there's a little bit of the liquid from the brine or whatever still in there. Um, <laughs> it's really really yucky. It is it is truly the grossest looking thing to buy. But also, it's pretty small. Like it doesn't take up a lot of space because it's so like. You know, when they're when they're not stuffed, they're really compact, uh, and then they stretch out significantly. So that's the thing that I found really interesting is, you know, the unfilled casings. Like, I was using medium casings, which is your, like, standard, like, sausage size, as opposed to, like, a merguez kind of thing, where they're, like, smaller and thinner, right? Uh-huh. Um, so the medium casings are, or, like, a breakfast sausage, I guess. <laughs> so the medium, <laughs> the medium casings are, like, when they're not full they're maybe the width of like a pencil okay and then they expand when you fill them um so the process there is you you (laughs) again this is gonna be gross so uh, i mean i feel like if people are listening to an episode like this they're gonna know that it's gonna get a little gritty because i'm anyway um you (laughs) you basically you feed one end of the um of the casing over your tap in the kitchen and rinse it so you like run the tap into it i didn't know that and i don't like it yeah so it very it like you know slowly the thing fills with water and expands in your sink and then you have you know the equivalent of four feet of sausage except it's water in your sink as it flushes the inside out. oh god and then you drain that and then you let it soak in warm water for like an hour uh or you can soak it for longer to make them more malleable but you have to keep changing the water out so it doesn't like you know suck um and then (laughs) comes the really fun part which is where you have to uh load the entire casing onto the spout attached to the meat grinder so that when you feed it through it will spout out into the casing properly um matt (laughs) tom there's no there's no good way to describe this so i'm gonna apologize (laughs) in advance okay basically Putting four feet of hog casing onto the sausage stuffer spout thing feels a lot like if you were putting an unlubricated condom on and it lasted an hour. It is... (laughs) Like... (laughs) It is a horrible, long, and, and... difficult maybe arduous might be the right word for it experience where like you're stretching something that's the size of a pencil so that it fits over a spout that's slightly wider than that because it you know has to be uh and there's four feet of it so it just takes forever i don't know what that oh i was gonna say i don't know what four feet is in non-metric terms i'm dumb four feet is not metric um (laughs) it's it's a lot and and you're you're really like i was just standing there in the kitchen just like pulling this thing on and it was you know rolling up at the base and it was so gross and so unpleasant um and i i don't like that part of it and i don't know if maybe i just needed to like lubricate the shaft more or something but well there's a sentence but it was not not a pleasant experience oh man i am both glad and appalled at myself for asking that question to begin with but the mental image of putting on a lubricate an unlubricated condom for an hour <laughs> will live rent free in my head for years to come it makes me a lot more understanding of why sausages tend to be factory made yeah you know because the whole process of it being as like 
ugh, intimate, I guess, as it is, and as like involved as it is, this is one of those things in cooking where I'm like, no, it makes complete fucking sense that you would industrialize this and make it as like push a button and go as possible because doing it by hand is so labor intensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was really curious when you were talking about like cost because I feel like typically when you make food yourself, it is usually cheaper mm-hmm. or or comparably priced. Yeah. Um, so I was curious and I, I did the math and I pulled up brats, a five pack of brats at my local grocery store. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the card for my local grocery store, it's <laughs> $5.99. Okay. And then I did the exchange rate from yeah. US to Canadian dollars, which makes it seven fifty three. Okay. And I divided seven fifty three by five, and that puts it at a dollar fifty a brat. Yeah. Um. So I'm like almost surprised that it is hmm. a like significantly cheaper to buy. Well, packages. Let me let me think about this for a sec because I made I successfully made thirteen. But I had enough meat left over because I ripped some of the casings, right? I had a I had enough meat left over that I think it should have been fifteen for the batch. Okay. So so maybe two dollars per sausage. So like not okay. not two fifty, I guess. But yeah, still still more than what the ones you know packaged at Kroger or whatever end up costing. And I I do think that part of that is that I went to a nice butcher. Also, like the the butcher in my neighborhood is um, fancy because I live in a neighborhood that uh, I've lived in since the 90s when it wasn't gentrified yet, but it sure has gentrified since then. Um, I think that if you were getting all of these same ingredients at like the grocery store, you know, a few blocks over, um, it would probably end up being cheaper, but I don't know by how much because I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, like I know that this butcher, I know this butcher is slightly more expensive than the grocery store just because I've bought, you know, I'm trying to think. I feel like it's maybe like 1.5 times the price as opposed to like double where okay. it like, you know, it, it it's almost the equivalent of like buying organic versus not buying organic. Yeah. 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 That makes plenty of sense. Yeah. So, so I think that actually like possibly the reason that these sausages cost like so much more comparatively is because I went to a fancy butcher. So like, I'd be curious what the like five organic or like five grain fed or whatever brats at your grocery store cost as opposed to like standard ones you know yeah i don't know i closed the close the tab but i'm that's sure okay. i could find it um <laughs> but that's what i mean I, like i i think i think that that probably accounts for what that price difference is is just the like ingredient quality the bouginess yeah. of the butcher if you will yeah i mean that makes perfect sense Hey, hey, it's the mid-roll. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend who loves sausages and wants to hear about the process of making them by hand. (laughs) That might be a good way to make them not love sausages quite as much. I don't know. Anyway, for every new rating and review I get during the month of August, I'm donating $2 to The Depot, my local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 that they get in donations into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of this show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There's there's literally no other way to turn zero into six, so if that math is exciting for you, go do it. It's, it takes very little time, so if you've got an iPhone, please do it.
You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. Also, now that this show has been heavily focused on food for a while, I went back and noticed that most of our existing Apple podcast reviews are really outdated and talk about the show like it's a comedy podcast and also use the wrong pronouns for me. I use they them pronouns exclusively now. So if you've already left a review in the past, maybe take this opportunity to go update it and use my correct pronouns and talk about it like a food show. And I'll include that as a new review, even if it's technically just an update of an old one. Because let's face it, accurate reviews that don't misgender the host are more helpful than outdated ones that do. Hey, do you absolutely love listening to me and Matt talk about food together? Me too. I love it so much that I actually brought him on to co-host a miniseries with me a few months ago where we watched along with Guy Fieri's Tournament of Champions on the Food Network and gave our takes on the randomizers cooking challenges. So if you want to listen to, like, I think there's like seven episodes of that. It's very good. It's very fun. It is the most kind of like heady food content that I've ever done because there's so much analysis of dishes and so much hypothetical cooking that goes on. It's really, really fun. I'm including a link to a playlist of those in the description of this episode. Lastly, and I know this has been a longer mid-roll than usual, so thank you for listening through it if you have been. If you haven't had a chance yet to listen to last week's episode where my guest Tess Hazel and I talked about every groovy orange tabby's favorite Monday morning treat, lasagna, go cue that up and listen to it when you're done with this one. We also get into the widespread phenomenon of having a way easier time cooking for other people than taking care of ourselves, which is uh, a thing that I am super guilty of and wish I could be better about. So, you know, maybe listen to that episode and uh, if it resonates with you, let me know. We can maybe hold each other accountable and treat ourselves nicely about food. There's a nice idea. Treat yourself nicely about food. Anyway, that's enough for me. Let's get back to my conversation with Matt Cole. I have another question, America to Canada for you. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have Cheddarwurst? Not to my knowledge, but that sounds like a really nice thing that I'd like to have. What is that? Yeah, so like, it's literally a brat, but with cheddar cheese in it. Okay. Um, And so Hillshire Farms... Um, is kind of the the leader of the Cheddarwurst creation. I think, I don't know, somebody I'm sure made Cheddarwurst before Hillshire Farms, but that's where I learned about it. Now you can get it from basically everybody. Uh, And yeah, it's a regular brat, but when they run it through the grinder and case it, they put like hickory smoked cheddar or some other cheese into the grinder, into the mixture, so that it also stuffs the brat with cheese. Okay. All right. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And like that's so when I think of putting cheese on a brat, I feel like if I were to look at you and be like, I want to put a brat in a bun with a slab of cheddar cheese in that bun and I want to melt it all down, uh-huh, uh-huh. people would be like, I don't know. I don't know that you should melt cheddar cheese onto a brat or like cheddar cheese sauce or something like that. But if you put cheddar cheese in the brat, I think it's a little more socially acceptable. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm into that. I think that sounds great. I have um, in the aforementioned sausage book that I'm now flipping through to see what sort of, you know, cheese-based sausages they've got in here. The one that I'm seeing right out the gate is a bacon cheeseburger sausage. Ooh. Um, Where you do just mix cheese and bacon into the beef mix before feeding it through the the stuffer so that's that's the main thing is like anything that you want to put in a sausage this is what i've been learning (laughs) basically if you've got like you know say 50 percent meat 50 percent fat and then like your seasoning mixed into it Mm -hmm. you mix that well enough and then put it through the stuffer it's going to make a good sausage so you can kind of do whatever you want i think that if you were so I, i think it's i think you want to put cheese in your brat you just take a little bit less of the fat from the uh the back fat, I guess, in order to keep the ratio similar, but I don't even know, honestly. 
Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. I have never in my life had a homemade cheddarwurst that I know of. Sure. Um, somebody might have snuck a homemade cheddarwurst into me at some point in my life, but I wasn't aware of it. So I I don't know if that's a thing that people make themselves, but I'm sure that I'm sure somebody's making it. Sure. I'm sure somebody's yeah. stuffing cheddar in their worst. <laughs> yeah, I mean it sounds delicious. I'm I'm into it. Oh, of course I've had I've had cheddarwurst. I'm dumb. Um Johnsonville uh yeah. has a has a, a cheddar I don't know if they call it cheddarwurst, but I uh I've definitely had a Johnsonville cheddar sausage. Something tells me Cheddarwurst is a trademarked Hillshire Farms thing. It really could um, be. <laughs> it is. Ah, I just found it. Yeah. There we go. Um, cheddar, Cheddarwurst is, in fact, trademarked. Okay. But a cheddar brat is, you know, whatever you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. There we go. The, the real Cheddarwurst was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I guess like all that to say... You know, for any listeners who want to make their own sausages, uh, I would highly recommend uh, getting the book that I mentioned before, and I'll put a link to it in the description. Uh, Full disclosure, I will probably put an affiliate link so that I can get some money if you choose to buy it. Uh, I would also highly recommend, you know, if you have a KitchenAid mixer, splurge and get the, uh, you know, grinder and stuffer attachment. If you don't, there are other kind of standalone grinders and stuffers that work just as well. It's just, you know, convenient. If you have the KitchenAid mixer, you might as well get the attachment for it because it's like the same price, but it's easier to use. Um, and give it a shot. It's, it's for all that it is gross, <laughs> it is not that much grosser than any other like handling raw meat by hand. I would recommend having some kind of gloves if you're someone who doesn't like touching raw meat by hand. Uh, I usually do, and I didn't this weekend, and I think that made it a lot more, you know, um, traumatizing than it needed to be. But yeah, I mean, the, the don't let the grossness of it stop you from doing it, because I think that it is a really, really cool experience, and like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I think the ones that I made were like, fantastic and it was really worth the experience so yeah right on today right now as i'm sitting here googling things i learned that apparently bucyrus ohio which is about two hours from me Mm. is widely considered the bratwurst capital of america interesting and since 1968 has hosted a three-day bratwurst festival and we are only three and a half weeks away from the three-day Bratwurst Festival, the Bucyrus Bratwurst Festival of 2021, uh, which I think I might now be going to. When is that? Uh, August 19th through the 21st. That is this coming weekend, if you're listening to this episode the day it comes out. Hey, there you go. This coming weekend, meet me in Bucyrus, Ohio, because I think (laughs) I'm going to go and get some brats. Oh, I wish we weren't in a pandemic so that I could come do that with you. That sounds amazing. Maybe 2022. Yeah, I mean, it's been going on since 1968. I'm sure they'll do it again. Yeah, here's hoping. Yeah, I love the idea of a sausage. God damn it. Okay, you can't talk about sausage without it getting kind of horny sometimes. I was about to say I love the idea of going to a sausage festival with you. (laughs) And you know what, Matt? I do. I really do. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's really good, Tom. I'm glad. I'm super glad. <laughs> Before we wrap up, uh, I gotta ask you, what is, I mean, you've already told us how you like to eat your brats, you know, bun, mustard, sometimes ketchup, often cheese, etc. What's, um, if you were to take a brat 
and try to do something new and exciting with it that like you think would be cool but that you haven't actually tried yet what do you think you would do so if I if I haven't made it clear, I'm super into beer brats, and mm-hmm. I've only made beer brats with Bud Light and like two other beers. Sure. And so I think that there are more interesting, cooler beers that you could infuse into brats that would be really really good, mm. and I would be really interested in exploring that because like I'm not a huge beer snob. They're like you know. Maybe six total beers that I like, and three of them are Miller Lite. Sure. So, I don't, I don't know the best beer for brats, but I'm sure there is some like ideal hops to water ratio for brat infusion that I mm. think would be really, really good. And I think that's about not as adventurous as I'd be willing to get. But if I myself were given a brat and mm. someone said, "Here's this meat stick, do something new with it," I would find a new beer. Sure. You know what? I think that there's something to that. I think, like, don't even say that that's not adventurous. I think that's really adventurous. I think that's a really cool idea. Because, like, the idea of a beer brat, you know, like, the the Wikipedia page about bratwurst, which is the only kind of research I do for the show, says beer brats are generally a Pilsner-style beer with butter and onions. Here's my thinking. The brats I made this weekend had fennel seed in them. Uh, Normally, traditionally, I guess, maybe, it's like marjoram uh, the recipe i've got here calls for caraway seed it's divided there's a lot of different opinions about what traditionally kind of spice blend you're supposed to put in but consistently most of the recipes that i found while doing some research had some kind of spice in them that gives like a bit of that anise note um and i think that when i think about anise and fruit i think apple because I think an apple fennel's law is really nice. And, you know, pork and apple goes really nice together to begin with. So here's my thinking. You get an apple beer, which I'm sure exists, maybe a cider even. Yeah. And try making beer brats with that. I bet it would be really tasty. I bet you're right. I would get down with that. I would I would go so far as just to, like, throw out the beer altogether and do, like, an apple cider roasted mm-hmm bratwurst yeah um yeah i think that'd be really good i might i might get down with that all right might get down with that in the not so distant future sweet if you do let me know yeah, uh, yeah i will for sure that sounds nice yeah i didn't know that beer brats existed before i did this otherwise i might have tried because the one the one thing i will say is that i grilled them the inside of them was cooked to perfection i felt like the outside which like you know happens when you grill a sausage the outside was a little bit dry and I think that maybe, you know, braising them in something beforehand is the solution there because it par cooks them so you don't have to put them on the grill as long. And it also gives them a bit of like a sticky wet outside. Oh, God, I hate that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the sugars from whatever you're braising them in do kind of stick to the outside. So when you grill it, it caramelizes a bit more, it probably keeps some of the like juices in. I don't know. I think braising it would probably be a really good way to like amplify improve i don't know yeah yeah i mean i i really like brats that are grilled and are like a little charred or a little like almost dry because what i hate more than anything is biting into a brat on a bun and not being able to get through the casing Mm, that like i hate that i hate it so bad which is honestly why as much as I love a bratwurst and a bun, typically I take like a bratwurst and I cut it up. Right. And and then I like put a piece of bratwurst in the bun 
and dip it in some mustard and eat that. Sure. And then just keep reloading the bun, um, <laughs> which I know is weird in concept, but is a much easier and more satisfying way to eat brats. But if it's grilled really well and like kind of charred and crispy, mm. that that casing snaps really easily, which sure. I prefer. Yeah, that's it. Like I found the casing snapped well on these, but I, I do feel like the, I don't know, for me, there's something maybe I just smoked them a little too much. I don't know. But there is something to like when the outside gets dry. Like I think there's a sweet spot where it snaps, but it still has some like give. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I feel yeah. Anyway, that's interesting though. Yeah. I, uh, huh. Okay. Well, I keep thinking next time I make them, God guys, next time I make sausage, I'm not going to make brats again. I have a whole book I want to work through. I'm going to make some, I'm going to make Italian sausage next time. You know, I got, yeah, well, there's so it, many recipes. <laughs> If you want to do brats again, just buy the brats and cook yeah. them a different way. The <laughs> next time you want to make sausage, don't make brats. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt, we're running out of time. Do you have any final thoughts on brats? I don't have any thoughts on brats. I was trying to come up with something else that rhymes with brats and my brain didn't work fast enough. So nope, no thoughts on brats for me. Matt. Tell me all your thoughts on brats. Because I'd really love to meet her. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that was good. I like that one. There we go. There we go. Um, Matt, where can people find you if they want to hear more of you? Uh, Yeah, I am on a podcast called Debate This. You can find us on all social media at Debate This Cast or on our website at debatethiscast.com. We also have a Marvel Disney Plus watch along show under the same umbrella. It is a different feed. It's called The Pluse is Loose. Two O's in both Pluse and Loose, spelled exactly the way it sounds. So if you're into Marvel, you can find us there. Uh, And all of that, again, you can find under Debate This Cast on any social media. Perfect. And I will make sure to include links to everything in the description of this episode, as always, for ease of access. Matt, thank you so much for joining me on the newly named No Bad Food, but, you know, for the 10 millionth time on my food show yeah thanks for having me on always happy to be here no matter the name no matter the loose meat in in juice how dare you always happy to be here you monster hey that's the end of the episode thank you so much for listening to no bad food do you want to join the conversation hit me up on twitter and instagram at no bad food pod or at tom's if you like this episode and want to help me make the show even better you can go to patreon.com slash no bad food pod to make it happen for as little as a dollar a month you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like patrick gabriel kendall and carlea thomas george poppy killian sarah angelica and andrew laura chantal and david patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks including maybe most excitingly the ability to request topics for episodes of the show So if that's exciting for you, you know where to go. It's patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod. There's a link in the description of this episode for ease of access. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at TeePublic. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice, especially Apple Podcasts, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode, along with links to everything that Matt wants you to check out. And last but certainly not least, the show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you next week. I'm going to go turn the AC back on because I am sweating like a sweaty little baby. You understand. Just takes a little time, it takes a little time, it takes a little time with me, 
I'm October Jones, Hi, and this I'm is... I'm Fish with Legs. I'm a fish I'm with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs, starring me and my best friend, <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish With Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- for adults and kids. <laughs> New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it. Bye! Hi, I'm Anthony Giorgio, host and producer of Queer Teen Podcast. Queer Teen Podcast encourages the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Listen, learn, and love as you get to know the next queer youth leaders of the world. Queer Teen Podcast celebrates, elevates, and narrates how the LGBTQ plus community uses our voices to tell our stories. You can find Queer Teen Podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else to get your podcasts. And please, please, please subscribe today. And don't forget to listen, learn, and love.